Welcome to Barely Audible Whisper, a weekly NPR parody podcast in no way associated with NPR, brought to you in no part by the following parody sponsors. The oil industry. The price of a barrel of oil dropped to negative three cents this week. A negative three cents selling price is the wealthy capitalist equivalent of paying a $35 fee for bouncing a check. Capitalism? Yes, we somehow mismanaged the lifeblood of our entire economic system so poorly that it crashed into a negative value. But free healthcare is what's really dangerous. And Saudi Arabia, devaluing their nation's only commodity just to teach Russia a lesson. Saudi Arabia, we cut the price of oil like a bone saw cuts through a dissident journalist. I am Dave. And I am Molly. And our voices may be low, but at least they're worth more than negative three cents. Our top story this week... In weird news out of North Korea, Kim Jong-un might be dead. But he's probably alive. But he might be in grave danger. Or he might be fine. For more on this story... Literally any information would count as more on this story. Barely Audible Whisper turns to our conspiracy correspondent, conspiracy author, Dan Brown, who, in a Dan Brown-esque plot twist, is being portrayed by Dan Brown, the actor. Conspiracy novelist Dan Brown. Being portrayed by actor Dan Brown because that's exactly the kind of needlessly confusing conspiratorial bending of the truth you'd expect from a Dan Brown novel. Or is it? I don't know. To tell you the truth, I've never read a Dan Brown novel because they seem silly. But what if silliness is a subterfuge to hide the truth? All praise to dear leader, who is definitely not dead. North Korean state media is the silliest subterfuge for truth suppression in history. If dear leader were dead, I would be so overcome with grief that I would be weeping uncontrollably. But I'm not crying, which proves that dear leader is not dead. But even North Korean state media tells an occasional truth. Yankee imperialist President Trump is stupid. It has been reliably confirmed that Kim had heart surgery, but the circumstances surrounding that surgery are a mystery fueled by rumors and incomplete information. According to CNN, an anonymous U.S. intelligence source claims that Kim is in, quote, grave danger. And a news website run by North Korean defectors reports two anonymous sources inside North Korea reporting similarly ominous news. But Chinese and South Korean officials are downplaying these reports and according to North Korean state media. Your leader is seven foot tall, and his penis weighs 40 pounds. 40! Some rumors suggest that Kim suffered brain damage, begging the question, how could it ever be accurately assessed if Kim Jong-un was experiencing brain damage? How are you feeling today, dear leader? I am supreme leader of the world! I am all-knowing, all-powerful, and my penis weighs 40 pounds. 40. Is he delusional, or is he just saying what we believe? I don't know, but either way, if we ask, we will be killed. The world's suspicions were raised when Kim was conspicuously absent from celebrations of the most important holiday in North Korea, the birthday of Kim Il-sung, founder of the Kim family dynasty and Kim Jong-un's grandfather. Kim's absence from the celebration caused the world to be alarmed and North Koreans to be confused. Happy Kim Il-sung's birthday! 
Yes, happy, because Kim Il-sung's birthday is happy, but also sad because dear leader is not here. Yes, we must act sad because dear leader is not here, but happy because it is Kim Il-sung's birthday. How are we supposed to act happy and sad at the same time? I don't know, but we better figure it out quick or we will be killed. Oh! However, Kim's absence alone is not necessarily suspicious, given that the celebration occurred within the normal time frame for recovering from even a successful heart surgery. But suspicions have been further fueled by the fact that North Korean state media has stopped reporting about Kim altogether, leaving North Korean media to talk about whatever it is they talk about when they're not talking about Dear Leader. Today we will share helpful hints for how to make three grains of rice feed your entire family for a week. But first, we are happy to report that there are still zero cases of coronavirus in North Korea. In an unrelated story, recent outbreaks of fever, coughing, and respiratory failure are caused by disloyalty. But detracting from the suspicion aroused by North Korea's suspicious behavior is the fact that North Korean behavior is always suspicious, especially in respect to Kim Jong-un, because Kim Jong-un is crazy. Sometimes I act like I have nuclear weapons and I'm hiding them, but sometimes I act like I don't have nuclear weapons, but I'm trying to look like I have them. And nobody knows which is true because I am a seven foot tall genius with a 40 pound penis, 40. Is he delusional or is this just- Don't ask. So what are we to make of the rumors surrounding Kim Jong-un's health? Who knows? On the one hand, several years ago, he disappeared for a month fueling all sorts of speculation. All praise, dear leader, who is definitely not dead. Then he randomly showed up at an event using a cane, and we would later learn he had a minor foot surgery. See, I told you he wasn't dead. On the other hand, similar rumors swirled around North Korea's previous dictator, Kim Jong-il, for weeks. All praise, dear leader, who is definitely not dead. Before he was confirmed dead. Okay, you got us. He's dead. So, yeah, I've got no idea. So after all that, we're right back where we started. Literally, any information would count as more information. Brian Kemp, the governor of Barely Audible Whisper's home state of Georgia, has decided to reopen our state despite the fact that the state's infection curve is still rising, due in no small part to Governor Kemp's refusal to issue a stay-at-home order until early April, when in a now infamous press conference he claimed that the three-month-old information that coronavirus can be spread by asymptomatic carriers was a, quote, Revelation and a game-changer. Given that there has been no new Game Changer to reverse the order that was based on Governor Kemp's original Game Changer, Governor Kemp's new Game Changing decision seems arbitrary and stupid. Even stupider is the fact that the businesses Governor Kemp specifically signaled out for reopening, hair and nail salons, tattoo parlors, massage parlors, gyms, etc., are all businesses whose business model necessarily makes social distancing impossible. 
game changer. Despite the fact that social distancing is literally impossible under the new order, Governor Kemp insists that a handful of hastily thought through safety guidelines will ensure the public's well-being. And so, as part of our ongoing commitment to giving the benefit of the doubt to people who don't deserve the benefit of the doubt, Barely Audible Whisper constructed a scenario in which practicing social distancing in businesses where social distancing is impossible somehow works out. Huh. Game changer. Ow, 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 ow! Are you sure you know what you're doing? Yeah, kind of. Uh, it's difficult to manipulate my tattoo needle from the far end of the six-foot pole I have it attached to, but I think I'm getting the hang of it. But, 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 but my tattoo just looks like a bunch of random series of squiggly lines. Yeah, uh, so far all of my tats look like Donald Trump's signature. <laughs> Game changer. I just need you to cover your entire hand, except for your nails, in painter's tape, and then I'll spray paint your nails from six feet away with a paint gun. Should I cover up my clothes? Or, ah, damn it! You got paint all over my gut. Ah! ah paint splashed in my eyes! Oh, that's just great. My nails finally look pretty for the first time in less than a full month, and I can't appreciate it because I'm blind now. <laughs> Game changer. Just breathe deeply and relax while I put a rolling pen that I'll manipulate with extended hand grabbers on your back. I can barely feel that. I'll apply more pressure. Ow! That's too hard! Sorry. It's really hard to find a happy medium with this hand grabber rolling pin rig. Game changer. I've been stuck for less than a full month. I desperately need a haircut. Well, just sit yourself down in that chair and I'll grab my pruning shears. I uh, hope you're okay with asymmetrical. Extremely asymmetrical. <laughs> Game changer. Can you spot me? Sure. Let me just hook my fishing pole to the middle of the bar so I can spot you at a safe distance. I haven't worked out in less than a full month. I can't handle as much weight as I used to. Help! My fishing line doesn't appear to be strong enough to lift the bar. Help! Don't worry, I'm a personal trainer. I know exactly how to get that weight lifted. Just keep pushing! Yeah, you got this, you got this. You just have to want it bad enough, man. Hey, I can't help you if you want to help yourself, okay? Help me help you, help me help you. Yeah, you got this. Okay, well, apparently my motivational yelling isn't as effective from six feet away. For the record, uh, that doesn't count as a coronavirus-related death. <laughs> So that one's not my fault. I blame myself. I should have used my deep sea fishing gear. Oh. Game changer. Game changer. It was revealed this week that Brian Harrison, a friend and former aide to HHS Secretary Alex Azar, who Azar appointed to head day-to-day -day coronavirus response operations, joined the Trump administration in 2018 after selling his labradoodle business. That story once again. The relevant experience of the guy running the White House's day-to-day -day coronavirus response is breeding Frankenstein dogs for rich people. 
for more on Brian Harrison's glaring lack of qualifications for his job, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our unqualified correspondent, Michael Brown, the Judge and Stewards Commissioner of the Arabian Horse Association, who George W. Bush appointed FEMA director ahead of Hurricane Katrina. Hello, I'm Michael Brown, and I am in no way qualified to narrate this segment, but that's never stopped me before. I was the judge and stewards commissioner of the Arabian Horse Association, which is such a bullshit rich guy job that I still don't know what I did. Then I became FEMA director, where I did such a bad job during Katrina that I still don't know what I did. And speaking of bad jobs, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. Set up the story. I knew that. I would have done it already, but the mayor of New Orleans wouldn't let me. So to set up the story, I guess, I should tell you that Brian Harrison used to breed Labradoodles. No, no, no. Set up the story with a clip to break up the monotony. I think monotony are a great couple. Why would I want to break them up? I'll do it myself. I'm Brian Harrison, and I breed Labradoodles. Where's that magic voice coming from? Do you want a poodle, but you also want a Labrador, but you don't want both? Are you so rich and out of touch that you actually think this is a real problem? Well, I've got the solution for you. Can you guess what it is? Poodadors. Labradoodles. I was so close. Oh, mm. uh, so what now? Transition to the part where he became the head of the day-to-day -day coronavirus response. Obviously, I would have done that already if the mayor of New Orleans wasn't a Democrat. So, uh, Brian Harrison went from running a Labradoodle business to being the head of the day-to-day -day coronavirus response because apparently Republicans still believe in a direct connection between weird rich guy animal jobs and disaster response. I know how we can solve this problem. What if we crossbred the coronavirus with a different virus and created a third, much cuter virus. That's the most ridiculous thing. It would be part coronavirus and part malaria, and we'd call it Coronalaria, and it would be the cutest little virus ever. Who's a cute little virus? Coronalaria is a cute virus. Admittedly, Coronalaria is adorable, but it's still not a workable solution. What about Influenza? The joke premise is running thin, when one premise runs thin, you transition to the next topic. Stupid mayor of New Orleans not knowing when to transition to the next topic. What's a topic? I'll do it myself. Uh, speaking of workable solutions. Oh, because the scientist mentioned workable solutions. A whistleblower came forward this week claiming he was demoted for rejecting President Trump's unscientific and medically unsound insistence on pushing the unproven drug hydroxychloroquine. There is no scientific basis for advancing the use of chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. Did you say hydroxy added to chloroquine? Like you mix a hydroxy with a chloroquine and you get a cute little pill that's furry and sweet but not too big? I love it. Seriously, I'm the one who got demoted in this situation. <clears throat> what? You mean I have to do even more work? Ugh, I've already done like three things. I'll do it myself. According to Business Insider, quote, one decision that the task force that has been attributed to Harrison is the initial exclusion of Stephen Hahn, commissioner of the FDA. 
What we're dealing with is a virus, not a food or a drug or an administration. So unless the FDA is working on some sort of cute crossbreed between a food and a drug, then I fail to see why they are relevant. You don't want to include the federal agency responsible for medicine and lab testing as part of our response to a pandemic? Food and drug are both one-syllable words, and there's no cute way to combine one-syllable words into a more adorable word. I mean, fug? What is that? That is so true. So you should probably wrap this show. I knew that, stupid mayor of New Orleans. No, 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 no. don't bring up the mayor of New Orleans a fourth time. It violates the rules of three. Four is like six more than three, I knew that. I'm not an idiot. Not like the mayor of New <clears throat> Oh, right. <clears throat> anyway, for Barely Audible Whisper, I'm unqualified correspondent Michael Brown. I don't know what I did. Carrollton, Georgia high school students Stephanie Freeman and Jeffrey Hume were expelled this past week for posting a racist video on TikTok. So congratulations, Brian Kemp. You are no longer the person making us most ashamed of our home state. How offensive does a video need to be to get you expelled in Georgia? Well, video was titled, How to Make an N-Word. Yes, they actually used the N-Word. The video parodies internet cooking videos, and while it's much more offensive to African Americans, it's also quite offensive to comedy. And so, we're doing a dumb parody of an even dumber parody of dumb cooking shows called How to Ruin Your Happy Little White Lives. Hello and welcome to Human Disaster Kitchen. I'm your host, Aegon Whites. I'm here with Steph Freeman and Jeff Hume, who suck almost as much at comedy as they do at being human beings. Today, we are learning how to ruin your happy little white lives. Kids, when I set you up, you explain the dumb racist shit you did and the actual words you said. I don't want to do this. You think I do? Step one, lay out your ingredients. You need two cups of tame food-related racism. Uh, watermelon and fried chicken. One heaping tablespoon of fear-stoking. Robbing white people. One insult to an entire race's intelligence. Making poor life choices. Yes, let's hear from you about making poor life choices. That was rhetorical, please don't answer. And finally, one very large low blow. Not having a father. Uh, just to be clear, Jeff, do you believe all black children are born fatherless, or are you just grossly misunderstanding the problem of mass incarceration and the very concept of cause and effect? I posted that video. Of course I don't have an understanding of cause and effect. Aha. So, with these ingredients we've laid out, you can put together one of the most deliciously racist things the internet has ever seen. Mix them up in a large video, adding extra insults to taste, uh, you want to mix it well because that lets everyone know that you had plenty of time to have second thoughts about this, then put it in the oven anyway. And congratulations, you are well on your way to ruining your happy little white life. I just can't believe we got expelled. Honestly, neither can I. But we're not done ruining your happy little white lives yet, Stephanie. Your internet apology tour made things so much worse. So, 
While our racist abomination is in the oven, let's put together the apology topping. We'll start with half a cup of faith signaling. I promise to dedicate my life to serving God and treating every human being with respect. And I do not expect the public to forgive me, nor do I deserve it. But I pray that God forgives my sins. That's not a bad start to an apology, so if you really want to ruin your happy little white life, you're going to need to undercut that with a teaspoon of making demands. For the love of God, stop sharing the video and my name and my picture. Add six ounces of self-pity. You do not know what this feels like. I've never been this scared. It just isn't fair. Then normalize the hell out of it. Imagine your stupid teenager just going along with stupid teenager stuff, and then your life gets ruined. Forever. And now the secret ingredient, throwing your boyfriend under the bus. My BF is racist, and he slowly normalized his racism on me. Wow, Steph. Now, Jeff, you've stayed pretty silent so far, which is smart. Thanks. I don't suppose you've been spending this time quietly contemplating your mistakes, reading the works of black thought leaders, and educating yourself on the plight of African Americans. No, I've almost certainly been on the internet searching for racist internet forums, trying to figure out how to join a white supremacist movement. Thought so. Back to Steph's apology topping. When applying the topping, you can use a delicate, cautious touch and really nicely cover the whole thing. Or you can use a slapdash approach if you really want to ruin your happy little white life. What'll it be? Um, slapdash. Very well. Throw some careless, well-intentioned words on that thing. I believe blacks are human, too. Very nice. No attempt at politically correct language and stating the fact that black people are human as a matter of belief. You have almost ruined your happy little white life. Now serve it up on the one thing they haven't taken from you yet. Please don't contact my college. It's my future, and one mistake should not ruin a life. But of course, the college did find out and revoked your admission, so take us home and poison the whole concoction with an injection of I've learned nothing. Black people ruin my life. They can't function in a society, so they took my future. They're mad at me, and my boyfriend proved a point. All they know how to do is that ghetto and racist and low class. White power, I don't care anymore. Welcome back, babe. I'm Aegon Whites, and this has been Human Disaster Kitchen. MAGA. President Trump, who has a long history of declaring victory prematurely, just ask Stormy Daniels, is insisting on, quote, reopening America before it is safe from either a public health or economic standpoint. To put the president's premature rush to the finish line, why do you think Melania always looks so unhappy? Into a historical perspective, barely audible whisper turns to our own Harvard professor, so pretentious he insists on being called Dr. Professor. It was 1863. The Union Army had recently won the atrociously bloody Battle of Gettysburg, thus turning the tide of the American Civil War inalterably in favor of the Union. President Abraham Lincoln commemorated the military victory with a somber and profound address. 
Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. We all know the speech reciting it is unnecessary. As I was saying, the aforementioned address. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can endure. Stop that. <clears throat> the point is that the Gettysburg Address rededicated Americans' commitment to winning the war and ensuring that... Government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. You're not helping. Fine, then. As I'm not needed here, I'll just go to the theater. I will not be held responsible for that. The point being, America was experiencing a deadly crisis and the American president, recognizing the significance of a powerful moment when the tide had finally begun to turn towards American victory, seized upon that moment and reinvigorated the American commitment to the continued struggle and sacrifice in the noble pursuit of victory. Now, based on his handling of the coronavirus, let us imagine President Trump seizing upon that same moment. As always, our Trump impersonator is a woman, because we hear he hates that. 87 years ago. How stupid have our leaders been? It's been 87 years, and the score is only 4 and 7. Under my administration, the score is 40, 17 billion and 2 because we got a million billion more and the Kofifiusi lost 8. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, which is very unfair to me because the economy was the greatest economy in the history of the 4 and the score and much better than the 7. And when I took office, the army didn't have any muskets because James Buchanan. And we're on a great, but not as great as me, battlefield of that war. And the generals let me fire a cannon. But we won this battle because I'm doing many great things with the muskets and the cannons. And so we're seeing some very great things so we have to stop what we're doing and get the country back to work. Many people died here, and it is altogether fitting and proper that we ignore them and talk about how great I am. And many people are saying that the soldiers don't like being on the battlefields and they want to get back to work because it is very unfair to me that the economy which was 40, 17 billion, is now back to four and seven because Democrats. So I hereby declare that the governors of the states can take their soldiers back and make them go to work even if it's against their will because this war is about states' rights and government of the Trump, by the Trump, and for the Trump shall not perish from the face of the Trump.
anti-stay-at-home order protests have been spreading across America almost as fast as the coronavirus they've been spreading across America. Known for their entitled whining and poorly spelled signs, Gave my lib air tree or gave my deeth. Pensalvia bow lives in we the pee-apple. Deeth before tranny. These seemingly grassroots protests are actually funded and organized by the same wealthy Republican donor base who funded the Tea Party as part of an orchestrated campaign to re-elect Trump. For more on the wealthy idiots who are organizing the poorer idiots to re-elect the biggest idiot, Barely Audible Whisper turns to our laid-back lifestyle correspondent turned quarantine correspondent, Margot Ritaville. All three of our regular listeners may remember Margot Ritaville from a sketch we did late in February where she was quarantined on a cruise ship, went slowly mad, murdered her husband, went even madder, and started having one-way conversations with the husband she convinced herself she hadn't killed. And for the rest of you, that's all the exposition you need to understand the following sketch. Margaritaville, laid-back lifestyle correspondent turned quarantine correspondent, reporting on a small group of wealthy heroes trying to rid the world of the claustrophobic and isolating insanity of quarantine. What's that, dear? Oh, I've enjoyed my time with you, too. Make it stop. This meeting of FreedomWorks is called to order. FreedomWorks is a well-funded advocacy group so far to the right that they spell FreedomWorks as if it's one word because nobody's going to tell them how many words two words are. We've got a problem. Obviously, it is God's will that President Trump be reelected. But unfortunately, the plague that God sent to punish the gay people, abortion doctors, and Democrats is making President Trump look bad. So we have to figure out a way to fix it so that God's will stops making God's will look bad so we can get God's will reelected in accordance with God's will. What's that, dear? Yes, I do think that sounds a bit crazy and irrational. But anything is better than enduring the constant madness of being stranded inside the ever-shrinking confines of a studio apartment that seems even smaller than the 8x12 cruise ship cabin. And every day it gets smaller and smaller until you feel like you're choking on the density of a lack of surface area. I think our new member makes a valid point. Did she make a point? I lost interest when she said studio apartment because I assume that means she's poor. People are tired of having to stay at home, right? Yeah, it's inconvenient, sure, but it's not really that bad. Not really that bad? Every day I'm trapped in my own tiny little hell, washing my hands over and over again, but the blood never comes out. Out damn spot! What's that, dear? Nothing. Just washing my hands for the full 20 seconds like the guidelines say. Happy birthday! 
daddy to you. Happy birthday to you. Uh, whatever this is, I think we can use it. Happy birthday, my not at all dead husband. How's that? People are getting a little stir crazy from being stuck in their homes, right? I want to go outside. So what if we organize a bunch of protests against all the Democratic governors stay at home orders? Oh, what's that, dear? Of course I'll help you write a protest sign. Otherwise, you'd end up spelling people P-Apple. <laughs> but the stay-at-home orders are the only successful mitigation strategy we currently have available. Well, they could also be spun as a violation of civil liberties. But I need my civil liberties. Without civil liberties, there's dictatorship. And then all that's left is an Itty bitty teeny weeny, always shrinking one room apartment, and there's never enough toilet paper. <laughs> never enough. I think you might be onto something. If we can convince enough people that social distancing is a violation of their rights, then they'll blame their governors for forcing them to stay inside and causing them to lose their jobs. I need to go to work so I can make money to buy toilet paper. Exactly. And then President Trump can blame the Democratic governors for ruining the economy with draconian socialism. But wouldn't that end up putting undue pressure on Republican governors to ease up on sensible mitigation policies and open up the economy too early? Exactly. If we force Republican governors at President Trump's insistence to reopen their economies, then President Trump can claim credit for everything that goes right, but blame the governors for everything that goes wrong. Of course, if we tell people that the economy is bad because Democratic governors impose social distancing, then the Republican governors will get rid of social distancing to fix the economy. But when that makes everything worse, we can blame the Republican governors for abandoning social distancing while continuing to blame the Democrats for social distancing because Democrat social distancing rules are draconian violations of liberty. But President Trump's social distancing guidelines are just guidelines. And if you don't follow the guidelines, that's your own fault. I'm sorry, but that's just crazy. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Barely Audible Whisper, made possible by the following people, writer, co-host, and producer, Dave Baldwin, co-host and actress, Molly Brown, writer and actor, Daniel Carter-Brown, actors, Corey Burns, Michael Morgan, and Ali Glonick. Please subscribe to us on our website, www.barelyaudiblewhisper.com, or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Follow us on social media, and tell all your friends you think we're great. We appreciate your support. Uh, Al is the, Alan's in the shower. Can you hear that? No, but I can picture it. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>